Hey friend, thanks for stopping by. Pull up the chair and have a seat. You know me, I've got some good Tennessee white pine burning here in the chimney, but we better enjoy it fast because it's hard to believe, but winter solstice has already come and gone. And summer solstice is around the corner coming up June 20th, 2021. But listen, hey, chill out. I'm going to run inside and get us a couple of cups of joe. I'll be right back. Hey, you're listening to Guat Doc Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, advancing equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. I'm reading from Charles Spurgeon's Evening Devotion for December 31st, found in Jeremiah chapter 8. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Not saved. Dear reader, is this your mournful plight? Warned of the judgment to come, bidden to escape for your life, and yet at this moment not saved? You know the way of salvation. You read it in the Bible. You hear it from the pulpit. It is explained to you by friends, and yet you neglect it, and therefore you are not saved. You will be without excuse when the Lord shall judge the quick and dead. The Holy Spirit has given more or less a blessing upon the word which has been preached in your hearing, and times of refreshing have come from the divine presence, and yet you are without Christ. All these hopeful seasons have come and gone. Your summer and your harvest have passed, and yet you are not saved. Years have followed one another into eternity, and your last year will soon be here. Youth has gone, manhood is going, and yet you are not saved. Let me ask you, will you ever be saved? Is there any likelihood of it? Already the most propitious seasons have left you unsaved. Will other occasions alter your condition? Means have failed with you. The best of means, used perseveringly and with the utmost affection. What more can be done for you? Affliction and prosperity have alike failed to impress you. Tears and prayers and sermons have been wasted on your barren heart. Are not the probabilities dead against you ever being saved? Is it not more than likely that you will abide as you are till death forever bars the door of hope? Do you recoil from the supposition? Yet it is a most reasonable one. He who is not washed in so many waters will in all probability go filthy to his end. The convenient time never has come. Why should it ever come? It is logical to fear that it never will arrive and that Felix like you will find no convenient season till you are in hell. Or reflect you of what that hell is and of the dread probability that you will soon be cast into it. Readers, suppose you should die unsaved, your doom no words can picture. Write out your dread estate in tears and blood. Talk of it with groans and gnashing of teeth. You will be punished with everlasting destruction from the glory of the Lord and from the glory of His power. A brother's voice would fain startle you into earnestness. Oh, be wise, be wise in time, and as another year begins, believe in Jesus, who is able to save to the uttermost. Consecrate these last hours to lonely thought, and if deep repentance be bred in you, it will be well, and if it lead to an humble faith in Jesus, it will be best of all. Oh, see to it that this year pass not away, and you an unforgiven spirit. Let not the New Year's midnight peals sound upon a joyless spirit. Now, Now, now believe and live. In this devotion, Spurgeon reveals to Felix as an example of someone who waits for the convenient season that conveniently never comes. Acts 23 tells us that Felix was the governor of Judea and Samaria when the Apostle Paul was arrested in Jerusalem for preaching the gospel. 
The Roman commander in charge quickly shifted Paul in the night under guard by 200 soldiers to Caesarea to circumvent a planned pre-trial assassination of Paul by a Jewish mob. In chapter 24, it says, Five days later, Ananias the high priest came down with some, some elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. These men presented their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus began to accuse him and said, We enjoy great peace because of you, and reforms are taking place for the benefit of this nation because of your foresight. We acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with utmost gratitude. But so that I will not burden you any further, I request that you would be kind enough to give us a brief hearing. For we have found this man to be a plague, an agitator among all the Jews throughout the Roman world, and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple, and so we apprehended him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to discern the truth about these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews also joined in the attack, alleging that these things were true. When the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, Because I know you have been a judge of this nation for many years, I am glad to offer my defense and what concerns me. You can verify for yourself that it is no more than twelve days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They didn't find me arguing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or anywhere in the city. Neither can they prove the charges they are now making against me. But I admit this to you, I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection both of the righteous and the unrighteous, I always strive to have a clear conscience towards God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my people. While I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges if they have anything against me. Or let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Other than this one statement, I shouted while standing among them, Today I am on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. Since Felix was well informed about the way, he adjourned the hearing, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, and that he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Several days later, when Felix came with his wife Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Now as he spoke about righteousness self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid and replied, Leave for now, for when I have an opportunity, I'll call for you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money. So he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix, and because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. Felix was at a unique place in life. He was a Roman ruler who was married to a Jew. He knew about the Old Testament ways. He also had become well informed about the way, as Christianity was first called. He then had a public presentation about the case for the gospel, then private multiple meetings with the master apostle of the faith, Paul. He was informed, he was educated, he was evangelized, and in the end never found a convenient time to deal with Paul. Friend, I repeat the closing words of December 31st with you again. Oh, be wise, be wise in time, and as another year begins, Believe in Jesus, who is able to save to the uttermost. 
Consecrate these last hours to lonely thought. And if deep repentance be bred in you, it will be well. And if it lead to an humble faith in Jesus, it will be best of all. O see to it that this year pass not away, and you an unforgiven spirit. Let not the New Year's midnight peals sound upon a joyless spirit. Now, now, now believe and live. And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.